Amen, indeed. Merry Christmas. You know, I am so glad that you're here tonight. Give yourself a little bit of, of, of cred for being the second service. The, the whole f- open flame thing is going to be a lot safer in this service um, when I'm done in just a few moments. Um, it is important that we gather on a night like this. This is such a crazy busy time of year, isn't it? And especially this week that we're in. And tonight is all about what we just sang. We want to slow down and take some deep breaths and just bask in the wonder of God's love for his own. John the Apostle, as we just heard from John 1, sums up the incarnation, the mystery of the incarnation, which is really the the measure of God's love for his people uh, with just a few words. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Just think of the enormity of this. Eternal God became human and lived among people like us so that people like us might get back to God and live for him and and live with him forever. The gospel is good news. In fact, there is no better news. Before we light our candles tonight, um, I I want to read from a text that we don't, um, I think, ever associate with Christmas time. Um, Psalm 89. Um, If if you're a church member and you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that we've been looking at some of the covenants that we have found in the Bible. Turns out God's word is full of covenants. God is a covenant-keeping God. Um, His people, not so much. Um, But in Psalm 89, I want to just encourage you to listen to verses 3 and 4. God says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David, your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. And then if, and if, you, if you have your Bible open, some of you do, but if you don't, it's okay. You, you would notice if you were reading through the Psalms, you would see the little a musical notation, Selah. You've seen that before. And the word Selah, you don't read it so much as you do it. It means um, you should stop and think about this. And we, we want to do that tonight. We want to stop and think about the wonders of God's love for his own that we've been singing of. Stop and think about this covenant that the psalmist speaks of. The Father, God, says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. Salvation has its roots not in Bethlehem, But farther, farther back still in human history, farther back even than Adam and Eve, in eternity past, the scripture says, the Father and the Son made a covenant, the covenant of redemption. And it's a covenant sworn through David 
David, as you know, is a type of Christ in Scripture, a, a foreshadower of Christ. But this covenant that is alluded to in Psalm 89 was not a covenant that God made with people. Not David, not Abraham, not Adam, not you, not me. In fact, if he had made this covenant with people, people like us would have messed it up. The Son of God made a covenant with the Father. The Son of God, whose praises we've been singing, has no beginning. He is the Word, John says, the Logos, the the initiator, the sustainer, the creator of all things. He's God, is our Jesus. I wonder how big is your Jesus? Jesus is God. And in eternity past, God the Father made a covenant with God the Son. I've been reading um, recently some of the works of, a, of an English Puritan named John Flavel. And he, he was a minister in England to um, seafaring people. And he, he's famous even today for the way he used illustrations to help his people understand theology. And John Flavel imagined this covenant of redemption in dialogue. And I, and I, and I want to just suggest to you, I'm, I've edited his um, dialogue a bit. It's a bit long, so I shortened it for you. That's a gift. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and um, listen to how Flavel imagined this, though. The father says to the son... My son, the world we're about to make will be full of sinful people. Hopelessly filled with sinful people. All of them subject to my justice. People made for our glory and their joy instead choosing to live for themselves. They'll be in ruin. And they'll live toward eternal ruin. What shall be done for such souls? I will be their substitute, says the son. I love them. I'll come to them from us, from heaven. And I'll show them the way back to us. And as for justice, Father, add up all that they owe you, and I will pay it. You can put all of their debt, all of their sin on me. The debt is great, son. The cost is condemnation, says the father. You'll be forsaken. You'll face the full weight of my wrath. Yes, says the son. But Father, consider them your gift to me. 
And of all that you've given me, I'll not lose a one of them. I'll redeem every one of them for your glory and for their great joy. But who will enable this? Who will enable this as you're confined in their frail humanity? And who will convey this great gift to them? Asked the father. They'll be so lost and blind, they won't even be able to see the rescue that's being offered to them. I will, says the Spirit. I will bring heaven into humanity. I'll place the seed of humanity in a virgin's womb so that a sinless one will be born into a sin-stained world. Born to sinful parents to grow up among sinful people. And I'll open their eyes. These blind sinners to see the Son rightly as their Savior and King. John 1 teaches us of this covenant of redemption. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This covenant of redemption, you know, that dialogue is from someone's imagination, but the covenant itself, the covenant of redemption, comes straight from the heart of God. This is the measure of his love for you. Selah. Stop and think about this. Our God, our triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, went all in for his people to claim us, to win our forgiveness, to bring us to him, bring us into fellowship with him, friendship with him to get us all cleaned up, grant us permanence in his presence. Praise God. And and some of you, you're looking at me like, well, what is this business with the covenant of redemption? And and you're talking about Puritans, and uh, it seems a bit highbrow for Christmas Eve, doesn't it? Listen, if you're to be saved from God's wrath, You needed every party in that covenant to have executed his obligation completely and perfectly. How many of you are glad tonight this covenant did not involve you? I am. That's what Christmas celebrates. It's heaven kissing the earth in a baby born in Bethlehem. The promise made 
in Genesis, pictured all throughout Scripture in the covenants we've looked at, church, has been kept in the incarnation. Jesus is the promise kept. Amen? Again, John the Apostle, much more succinct. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. All of the wonderful scenery of Christmas that we've been singing about and, and we've heard read to us tonight from God's Word. You know, angels and shepherds, Mary and Joseph, all are the setting for God keeping this covenant promise, the covenant of redemption in Christ. What the Father planned, uh, the Son has accomplished, the Spirit has enabled, and now gives this gift to his people. Are you hearing this? Well, how is it given? Well, it's not received by everyone. Matthew 1, Jesus' parents are, are told, call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Not all people, his people. Oh, and he will save them. How is this gift received then? Well, the Bible says we who trust in Christ are the people of a new covenant. What's that? Well, if there's an old one, if there's a new one, there was an old one, right? We've looked at some of the covenants in the Old Testament. The, the old covenant, for example, mediated by Moses. Uh, God said to his people, obey me, uh, obey my law, and you'll be blessed. Disobey, live outside the law, and you'll be cursed. How many of you are glad tonight for a new covenant? A new covenant. In the new covenant, salvation is not at all about you doing stuff for God in order to be accepted by Him. In the new covenant, mediated by our Jesus, God says to His people, I've blessed you. I've chosen you, you're mine. Through the work of the Son, I brought into the world that baby in Bethlehem. Through the life of this Jesus, the holy life you have not lived, through his death on that cross at Calvary, the Son who is risen today, the son who has defeated sin's curse for you, receive him. Re receive him. And, and, you, and, and you think to yourself, but I've, I've failed. I'm not good enough. In fact, if I reach for this gift that is Christ, I don't have anything else in my hand to offer God. Turns out that's the only way you can receive Christ. He is worthy for you. All of your failures are placed on this Jesus. And all of his holiness is credited to you. I think I mentioned this earlier, but the gospel is good news. There is no better news. 
The new covenant then is, is unconditional in that sense. Simple faith in Christ grasps all that he has won for his people. Do you believe this? As many as received him, says John, to them he gave the right to become children of God. I love that King James language there. Them he gave the right to become children of God. That's covenant language, isn't it? Covenants are all about rights and obligations. What, what, What blessings rightfully belong to those who are children of God by faith in Jesus. Well, I'll just get you started tonight. How, how about forgiveness? Free and lasting. Our sins remembered against us no more, ever. We could say, thank you, Jesus, right? Justif- justification, that's a, that's a fancy word, but it simply means that you are clothed You who trust in Christ are clothed in the righteousness of another, that of your Savior. Thank you, Jesus. And what about sanctification? There's another fancy word, simply meaning what? Christ in you now, working by his Spirit to make you more and more like himself. Is that happening to you? God chipping off all the stuff that doesn't look like Jesus? He's promised to do this in every one of his kids. And there's a day certain for us who are in Christ when we will be glorified. What what does that even mean? It, It means that we're going to meet our Savior one day. And we're going to see him as he is. Same apostle in his first epistle says this. And we'll be like him. And this savior of ours is coming again. King of kings. Lord of lords. To reign over all things. To straighten all that is crooked. I can't wait. Heal all disease. Death defeated, tears wiped away, endless joy in his presence for his people. And yes, it is true that the king reigns over all things now, invisibly. We call that providence. But think of this. Think of the enormity of this. There's a day coming when King Jesus will come, not as a baby, but as the victor, the victorious king to dwell with his people. That's the enormity of the grace we're celebrating tonight. Do you know this Jesus? How big is your Jesus? Have have you received the gift? Empty-handed, that's the only way you can receive him. Heaven kissing earth on the birthday of our king. So as we're lighting our candles now, kids, you've been waiting for this. As we're we're lighting our candles now, let's ask God to give us grace to live in the wonders of his love for us. Let, Let me pray for us now and then we'll sing. Father, we thank you so much for this night that...
compels us to slow down as your people and stop and think. How deep is your love for your own? Lord, that you had us in mind before we were and called us and gave all that your son earned to our credit. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are a living, reigning king, and you are coming again to reclaim your world. And tonight we enjoy that a stake has been put in the ground, a cross, where you shed your blood for the sins of your people. And I pray, Lord, that you would teach us, that you would instruct us more and more to live in the wonder of your love for us. And we pray this, Jesus, for your namesake. Amen.